All right, everyone, welcome back. This is Ryan Selkis, and you're listening to Masari's Unqualified Opinions, where each week I interview crypto's top builders, investors, and personalities to discuss the key trends in the industry. You can discover more about Masari at masari.io. But for now, let's get right into the episode. It's going to be a good one. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Voyager. Trading cryptocurrency can be tough. I'm not just talking about making smart crypto investments. I'm talking about simply finding the right places to trade. Whether it's a lack of liquidity on key trading pairs, the risk of having your account shut down or coins compromised, or just feeling like a second-class citizen versus the exchange's accredited clients, the deck can feel stacked against you and other retail investors. That's why I'm excited to tell you about a brand new trading platform that just launched called Voyager. Voyager is a fast, 100% commission-free trading app, no bullshit, that helps you trade over 20 cryptos. Best part, Voyager is a licensed crypto broker, so you don't have to worry about your account getting terminated or losing access to coins you want to trade. Their new iOS app is crazy fast and routes your trades to a network of exchanges so you can get unmatched access to the crypto market and a better price on your trades without having to create multiple exchange accounts and take on that burden yourself. So check it out today. Sign up at investvoyager.com slash Masari to earn $25 worth of free Bitcoin when you download the Voyager iOS app and register. This podcast is presented by BlockWorks Group, one of the top blockchain events and media production companies I've worked with. For exclusive content and events that could help you with insight into the crypto and blockchain space, check them out at blockworksgroup.io and you will not be disappointed. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's another Unqualified Opinions from Sorry, I'm Ryan Selkis at 2BitIdiots. Uh, got another great guest today here at DevCon. This is the last one of the week, so last but certainly not least. Uh, Itamar Suisse, who's the uh, founder and CEO of Argents, uh, a non-custodial wallet that's focused on smart contract platforms. A lot of exciting new features that are going to be coming out. Um, first things first, though, um, why don't we talk a little bit about DEF CON, how's the week been? Uh, first, thanks, Ryan, for having me. Great, good to be on the podcast. Uh, week at DEF CON has been great. I think a lot of people are excited to be in Japan, in Osaka, yeah. as usual, the whole community uh, to, across the world to, to be here and some great talks. Is this your first one? No, my first one was Prague last year. Okay, last year. Um, good, relatively newer uh, in the industry, at least uh, Argentis. So um, what is what is your background? Why don't we start there? We'll, we'll talk a little bit about your your journey uh, personally and, and how you know we got to this point where we're having this conversation, obviously. but. Um, but just you know, what got you down the rabbit hole, and, and kind of where did you get started? Why 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 did you choose to work on wallets of all things, which in many cases seem like a solved problem, but but maybe with DeFi and the emergence of, of some of these uh, more advanced applications, uh, there there's room for improvement. Sure. So background background of the team maybe. So I'm an engineer. I've been working in tech for many years. So I've been project manager at Amazon in the early days in London. Uh, worked in payment at Visa, that I had a, a few startups. Last one uh, was doing quite well. We were the largest mobile brain training game. So we had 60 million users running a large subscription business. Things were going well. We sold the business, uh, discovered the beauty of the financial system when the, the payment was blocked uh, by an OFAC flag. So US banks blocked the, the purchase, purchase the payment because of a silly mistake, uh, obviously. So we got the money, bought my first crypto, moved it from an exchange to a, a ledger, 
and that was my wow moment. I knew payment quite well, so this payment going for virtually, virtually free uh, so quickly. And I told my co-founders, Gerald and Julian, who were looking at blockchain more from a tech perspective, guys, you're right, let's, let's jump into that. Um, Gerald, Gerald was my, our CTO, was my co-founder back at Argent, so I've been my CTO for all my startups. I've known him for more than 30 years. Uh, and then Julian, we studied together. Uh, so Gerald and Julian are both PhDs in physics, and I think the team is quite unique there where you have Gerald uh, being CTO of other startups, Julian having background in quantum information and security. And then we build a team of you know, mostly engineers, amazing engineers all across Europe. I can't name them all, but uh, that's, you know, they have experience in consumer and finance uh, and other type of tech. Um, so yeah, how we came to that space, we, no, we, we knew uh, there was something amazing on blockchain. We were naturally attracted by Ethereum, uh, I believe because we had a strong consumer angle. And so the idea of a, prog a programmatic blockchain uh, was quite attractive to us. The idea that maybe we could build a customer application, so that's um, spent some time realized that the, the interaction with DAPS, the interaction with the with with Ethereum in general was far from salt. So we you now we we thought really mass market. Would a million people join that that space? You know, we were used to products with sixty million users. We were not launching a product for ten thousand users. So we realized that Problem started with seed phrase, with security and usability in general. Uh, for 20 years, we told people don't write down your password on a post-it, and now we would tell people to write down uh, their seed phrase on a post-it. And we thought that that doesn't make sense. Let's step back. Let's solve that. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, first, before we get into specifically how how Argent is different or, or how you position the company, um, let's talk about the wallet landscape in general, right? So, um, there are uh, kind of the classical wallets, which, you know, blockchain.info, uh, Coinbase, you know, very, very different um, ends. One, uh, you know, the, with the be your own bank ethos, uh, and the other thinking about, you know, basically acting like a bank. Um, and kind of every day that passes, Coinbase starts to look, I think, more and more like a bank. Now they have an interest-bearing account for, for folks that deposit with stable coins. Um, but as we've, as we've evolved, um, most people, despite recommendations uh, against it, have tended to leave quite a bit of money on exchanges and treat them almost like wallets. Um, and then on the other hand, you've had a rise in hardware wallets. Um, so you mentioned Ledger being, being your first um, custody solution uh, for, for self-custody. Let's, let's talk about the, the newer crop uh, of wallet options because it's not necessarily the most intuitive business uh, to get into when you think about just financial returns. It, it is a very long game, I think, that the wallet providers are playing. Um, to own the user, provide some, some value as, as a, a trusted custody solution, then add services on top. What, um, how, how do you segment the market right now? Um, where do you think the market is going in the next you know, five years? Because the, the one criticism uh, maybe not criticism, the one question and, and kind of area of skepticism that I always have is, are the folks that are working on non-custodial wallets in particular uh, overly optimistic about how much people want to actually take on that responsibility themselves uh, versus actually just, you know, even if I have to pay a fee, 
uh, I'd rather have Coinbase do this. I'd rather have uh, you know some third party uh, that, that's ultimately going to be responsible because I don't want to lose the post right? Okay, that's a, that's a good question, a complicated one. So, if we if we look at the space, it's evolving fast, but uh, it's not about specific competitors. It's more about the model. You can be custodian, or you can be the, the first generation of non-custodial, which is you have a private key in some kind of shell that can be a mobile app, uh, that can be a hardware piece, but it's still the same model. You have an EOA, a PHP, and that's where the funds are. Um, custodial uh, custodians have provided great experience, um, and I think you are right that it's very hard to sell to the next billion users security. I think people, unfortunately, don't worry about, oh, it's a custodian, they can be hacked. They don't worry enough about that. But there's obviously that one issue where it's, um, you know, there's a big honeypot, all that money uh, centrally stored. Uh, but I think the next billion user will not care about the philosophical point of centralization, or not enough, they should, and we care. But I think that's not the main issue here. I think custodians have two options. Either they get hacked, and we have countless example, or some will have such tight security and internal processes uh, that they will not be hacked. As far as I know, Conbase, for example, is the best example, uh, haven't been hacked, trusted by a large institution. But when you reach that stage, you become a bank, and you cannot innovate, you cannot move fast. You are very restricted uh, into what you do. Uh, and so you cannot uh, have a hard time imagine a world where your custodian will enable you to interact with Web3, interact with uh, new protocols that come that will come every day, every week in the space. When you have almost one million Ethereum developers, uh, you believe that you should believe that a lot of new products will come on. Custodian will not be able to in to interact with this. Mm -hmm. So then you had the option of non-custodial. But again, we did we didn't feel that this could scale. We couldn't educate a billion people to store their key securely. Uh, I think if you are an advanced Ethereum user that stores your key maybe in multiple safe or engraved in steel, great for you, and I think it's probably very secure. Uh, we felt there was a way to basically reach the convenience of a custodian while, while staying non-custodial. And that's really what Arjun has done. We are non-custodial, we don't hold your funds, you are in control of your funds, but you don't need a seed phrase. You don't need to care about gas. Uh, you don't need a cryptic address. There's, everything has been abstracted in a way where I would say, probably already today, joining Arjun and using Arjun is not too different than using a product like Robinhood or Revolut. Mm -hmm. There's no more crypto element uh, in it. Yeah. Uh, so just uh, functionally speaking, how are users able to sign up for a non-custodial wallet and have no traditional password recovery option. Yeah. Right? So no, no C phrase, no mnemonic, no, um, no trusted third party. <laughs> it, it seems like there's a missing piece there. Uh, so how, how do you abstract that component away when it comes to, to key recovery? So um, the way you should see our gen, you have your mobile app, there is a key in your phone, okay? Mm -hmm. It's stored securely there, but there's no fun attached. So that key is the remote control to a smart contract that we've created on chain that is yours, you are the only owner. I have no control on that smart contract. So then at protocol level, what I would say is we have defined what we call guardians. So you as an owner, you can say I will trust other keys, other addresses uh, to be guardians. And the guardian is just another type of user within your smart contract. 
uh, that have the, the only right they have is to take security related actions. That's how it defines smart contract level. Then we can build, anyone can build any implementation of Guardians. Concretely, what we have done, we have built, I would say, three main implementations. You can pick other Argent users, friends, family, colleagues. They have their own app with their own key. And you say, okay, I will trust Ryan to be my guardian. Uh, you can also be your own guardian with other devices. So uh, you can have a hardware wallet and say, okay, my hardware wallet will be my guardian. You have a million dollars, you can pick three hardware guard wallet, 10 hardware wallet, mm -hmm. and it's a majority of your guardians is to approve something like a recovery. We also offer a service. Uh, that holds keys, that again, they are not yours, they are not touching your funds, they are not a split of your key, it's our own keys and you trust us to, with two-factor to act as a guardian. Uh, and then the protocol defines all the rules, for example, a recovery takes 36 hours, you need a majority of guardians, all the rules so that at the end, it feels like a recovery with your bank. When you tell, what we, what we did is really the same experience and you're losing your wallet, calling your bank, say, hey, I lost my card, send me a new one. The difference is here you have the choice. You decide who you will trust, who will act as this backup like your bank. It can be Arjun, can be yourself with, with other device or friends. Uh, supported assets right now, Ethereum and ERC20 focused. Uh, Ethereum, ERC20, ERC721, um, other type uh, of NFTs will come too. So any, any really Ethereum is where we are putting our energy right now and that's where we are focusing all our, our, our development efforts. Yeah. So do you think about this as a complement or competitive MetaMask right now? How, what, what is the Ethereum kind of smart contract wallet market look like right now? So I intend to not really comment on specific competitors. Uh, we use MetaMask every day, millions of us uh, like it. I think I think it's more, and, and MetaMask will, is there to stay, uh, I think, to interact with dApps. Uh, they've been doing a really good job. We, I think it's more the fact that indeed we don't really segment the world. You heard me saying, talking about custodian and custodial. I didn't talk about cold wallet versus hot wallet. Mm -hmm. uh, we see Argent fit for holding a hundred dollar or holding a million dollar with maybe different guardian setup. With a million dollar, you should probably have more than one guardian. Uh, and hopefully some in your control rather than using third parties or friends. Um, so, but we see Argen also as a way to interact with DApps. That's really one of our core projects happening right now, uh, where you will use Argen to store a lot of money, but also to interact with protocols like Compound Maker that are already natively integrated in Argen, but also in the future interact. You know, it will be your identity. You will log in on any website, um, a bit like you would do with MetaMask. Let's talk about um, where you see the business going in the future, because just being a wallet, that serves a valuable function, but that doesn't seem to me like a very big business. Right? So what are some of the applications that ultimately you hope to abstract away, and, and what's the ROI for a user of using Argent versus cold storage or just some other less sophisticated option? as uh, so we're thinking about holding their assets. So, so for, I think I didn't comment on that first one in your first question. I, I think it's actually strange. A lot of people see wallet as a, maybe hard to monetize. Mm -hmm. I think that wallets are the obvious place to go if you want to capture value. Mm -hmm. Owning the relationship and the trust of users is actually probably the most critical part uh, in, in this puzzle. Uh, and it's, well, you know, protocol can be squeezed because of 
we can fork out a protocol. There's obviously some, some great protocol of network effect, but actually capturing value at the wallet level is probably much easier uh, than people think. Uh, the problem, I think, we've been calling them wallets uh, because I don't want to call Arjun a bank because it's non-custodial. But if you think about Arjun as a non-custodial bank today, then next year as a payment network. Uh, I see Arjun as a network of users creating globally a new global financial system. Uh, and I think the wallet is really what, uh, what will capture that value, whether it's by interacting with DeFi protocols, whether it's by uh, one day long term enabling more payments. So you are suddenly, you are competing first with banks, mm -hmm. then you are competing with, uh, I would say, more trading, trading uh, products. You are competing with Visa and MasterCard. So I think there's, there's quite some room for, for a very, very big business. So it's a long, it's a long journey. DeFi uh, probably being the first area uh, where you could see capturing transaction fees. What's, what's the right way to think about so, value capture as, as your users um, add new products or, or, or add new assets to the wallets? Yeah, so I mean, we have no plan short term to start to, to monetize. I think what we want to be very careful is not repeating mistake of Web2, where you suddenly grow a massive user base, you trap them in somewhere, and you say, okay, now we'll take your, your money. Um, I think there's more value we can offer on top of DeFi. You could imagine a very straightforward, maybe um, fixed rate savings account or money market account with an insurance, for example. And this deserves, you know, this we should uh, be paid for that. You know? So if we do that, yes, we can take a cut of the interest rate, and I think many users would go for that option. They will still have the options to go direct to the lending protocol and pay more risk. That's really up to the user. So giving the users that option, is, I think, is quite quite important. And right now, it's still ideas on how to, to best build that. Uh, but payment is an obvious one also. So there are markets where the payment infrastructure is not as developed as we're used to in, in Europe. Um, or, or in the US, although Europe, I think, is really leading the way on payment. Uh, so you could certainly enable new, new, new payment experience. So I'm not talking peer-to-peer, -peer, I'm not talking merchant payment, uh, where you can be significantly lower lower cost than Visa and MasterCard, because fraud and chargeback uh, can be handled very differently when you have a cryptographic key to, to trigger your transaction. Uh, so I think there's an opportunity also to capture value there. And then there are very obvious business. If you think Europe and and the US, we are used to subscription model. You, you have Robinhood Gold, we have, uh, uh, we have subscription for Revolut, for Monzo, for N26. So you can imagine a more premium version of Arjun with more feature, maybe more, a bigger allowance of free gas, bigger allowance of free trade. Uh, just, you know, just thinking out here, uh, where certainly users will pay a monthly fee. You could imagine much more advanced guardian services um, for maybe user, as you mentioned, want to trust an entity. Uh, you could imagine more premium services like that that are paid. So you have a non-custodial wallet, but you pay a monthly fee to really, really get uh, an experience that you that is great for your million dollar uh, in crypto. How do you get people to switch to this? Um, there are other non-custodial wallet options. There are other very secure custodial uh, options. This is something newer. Uh, and, and there are, it seems, some benefits uh, to you know, your security model, which, which you argue for your users. Is that enough 
right? It, it is is security in non-custodial wallets um, really that much of a differentiator today, or is it more about the abstraction of uh, away from some of the smart contract logic that the powers and the applications sit on top? So said another way, what are going to be some of the first applications that actually help people switch uh, or entice users? Uh, to switch to Argent because they, they can use things with you that they wouldn't be able to use elsewhere. So, first, I think the short answer we're not trying to get people to switch. With Argent Vision, is to enable non crypto users to come into the space. That's really where we go. Obviously, today we don't have an on ramp, for example. We are working on that. So, you should assume that every user using Argent comes from another wallet, comes from crypto. Uh, and recently, so you do is not. Is that going to change though, if you're not an on ramp? So we are working on that. We will. We are working with partners to enable on ramp because that's obviously the only way to really uh, address non crypto users. So while that's our target, and so we don't have really a strategy uh, focused on making people switch, we have seen a big wave of users recently, and that's probably not by selling security. You cannot sell security. Uh, if someone is really an advanced user, either people don't worry unless they they lost their money. Or they worry so much that they have an amazing setup. Uh, maybe they have three ledgers all holding the same key with their seed engraved uh, in steel and in a safe uh, down in a basement. And that's probably a very secure uh, setup. But we don't think a billion people can have that setup. Uh, and that will lead to massive issues. Uh, and, see, and some people will realize, I think already today, People using other type of wallet, many of them don't back up their seed, mm -hmm. or their seed is only backed up as a screenshot in their mobile app. Uh, so I think you, but you still don't sell security. What you sell is new use case. So recently, I mean, I think it's, it's very obvious what has worked for us recently is this use case like Compound. So Compound and Maker are the two first DeFi protocol we have integrated. Um, there is no, I would say there's probably no simpler way. Uh, and maybe I'm missing some products out there, so I apologize, but I don't think there's a simpler way to open a Maker CDP or, um, or put money in Compound than Argent. It takes three seconds to open a CDP once you have money in Argent. You don't, you don't do any ERC20 approve, you don't write your ease in web to pet, you tap on, you pick an amount of collateral, you pick an amount of die, and then you push on one button, and it's one transaction, your wallet orchestrates everything. The same with uh, the same with Compound. Extremely simple. We have seen a wave of users coming with sometimes significant amount of assets because uh, they they just want an easy way to open uh, to open a, a Compound account or our CDP. And I think once they do that, they also feel more confident because they can check every day that the money is still there. If there is anything for the loan, they would be able anyway to even if someone had their private key, they would be able to block. Uh, fraudulent transfer. It's really a new type of security model. People would need time to get used to it, but you know, the last few, I would say the last two months have been quite amazing for us because we bring this new use case. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Voyager. Trading cryptocurrency can be tough. I'm not just talking about making smart crypto investments. I'm talking about simply finding the right places to trade. Whether it's a lack of liquidity on key trading pairs, the risk of having your account shut down or coins compromised, or just feeling like a second-class citizen versus the exchange's accredited clients, 
the deck can feel stacked against you and other retail investors. That's why I'm excited to tell you about a brand new trading platform that just launched called Voyager. Voyager is a fast 100% commission-free trading app, no bullshit, that helps you trade over 20 cryptos. Best part, Voyager is a licensed crypto broker, so you don't have to worry about your account getting terminated or losing access to coins you want to trade. Their new iOS app is crazy fast and routes your trades to a network of exchanges so you can get unmatched access to the crypto market and a better price on your trades without having to create multiple exchange accounts and take on that burden yourself. So check it out today. Sign up at investvoyager.com slash Masari to earn $25 worth of free Bitcoin when you download the Voyager iOS app and register. So those are uh, some of the application pro uh, partners, obvious ones, uh, as they're probably the two biggest right now in, in DeFi and, and what people are starting to experiment with. Um, the other partners you need are going to be the on-ramps and the guardians. Uh, with the on-ramps, is that just a business development effort to become like a preferred wallet partner or, or how, um, how do you think about that integration? Will that live on Argent and you'll just find an exchange or a prime brokerage service that ultimately also, buy with one click. We, we have our dream on ramp uh, experience. We are working with many, many partners, very local. Every region has different players mm -hmm. that might be better for their region. Um, so we, you know, it's within Argent. We want the experience to be within Argent with these partners. Uh, we literally just launched, I believe, this morning or yesterday. So by the time it's live, a week or two ago, our integration for the US. You can uh, you can buy right now a thousand dollar of USDC uh, straight from Argent, and you will get a thousand dollar. It's fully subsidized. It's zero fees. You shouldn't be paying to put money in another account. We just happens to to be using crypto blockchain as a technology platform. But when you put a thousand dollar in in Robinhood, you have a thousand dollar. So here you will put a thousand dollar in Argent, and you will have a thousand dollar. Uh, we are working with partners for Europe. We are starting to look at partners for Africa, South America, and soon we'll be looking at Asia. But that's one all up in three months. Progressively, we are finding more partners and building with them the type of experience we want to see. And uh, so far, you found that most of the users are just defaulting to your Guardian service? Uh, it's very, I would say, very polarized. So. I don't think we can take yet conclusion because actually it's very hard to add another user as a guardian because we have a waitlist. So you invite a guardian in the waitlist and that's obviously something we will fix uh, where inviting a guardian should just let, let them through and anywhere at some point early next year probably will be lifting that waitlist. Uh, so we see a polarization between people uh, who put our own Argent guardian, probably don't put too much funds, they are maybe a bit more new to crypto. Uh, and they are comfortable with that setup, and then we see users uh, who no, contact us because they want five different brands of hardware wallets um, because they want to reduce their risk and they want many guardians, etc. Uh, we are adding more options, so you will be able to use in the future any type of hardware wallet, but also MetaMask. You could even type uh, the address of a key for which you have a seed phrase somewhere, so you will be able to add any Ethereum address as a guardian. That's really where we are heading. Um, is it is it easy to just um, point and click uh, when you do have a Guardian integration, similar to, to the way that you do with uh, with DeFi applications? So, you know, I know that I um, have the ability to use Ledger, the Guardian, or 
point based custody. I, I don't know what is what is that. Um, I mean, process look like is it is it all just part of the yeah. The so adding adding Arjun Guardian or friend, it's one time. You literally have your friends in your address book. Uh, they Arjun username, they enter the address. So you you crypto address book, you tap on a button trust, which is similar to WeChat. Yeah, it's really the same, and then you say add Guardian or trust if you want to add them to your the whitelist of address. And, and that's done. There's a transaction being mined. There's a security period. So adding your second guardian takes 24 hours. So we pay a lot of security period to make sure no one can get quick access to your phone in a, in a bar and suddenly mess up with things. Um, hardware wallet is relatively straightforward because you need to plug your hardware wallet to a laptop, computer, and then you scan your QR code right on. The only thing you are really doing from a technical perspective is writing the public, public address of that key uh, into your smart contract. So it's really a tap on your phone. What are some of the metrics uh, that matter most to you? You obviously have a wait list, so you're gradually onboarding users, but what are, what are the behaviors that um, you're either optimizing for or just monitoring uh, to just better understand what, what exactly you, know, you should be triangulating on long term? I'd imagine it's probably, um, if you're a, a custodial wallet, you probably care about assets on the does, is that still a proxy um, that you care about for non-custodial? Because you know that you'll be able to uh, ultimately monetize, even if you don't hold the funds, just through you know users that have larger balances. So they're going to be putting more through the, the, the smart contracts that you would agree with. So right now, it's our priority is not asset under management. Uh, what we try to find is proxy to engagement. So. Theoretically, what I would want is literally transactions per user, uh, sign, sign transaction per user. So obviously today, that would probably not be a great matrix. You wouldn't want every user to do 20 transactions a day uh, without a proper layer to, uh, layer to solution. You would, things like payment, for example, could be high frequency, that'd be great, that's what we would want. Or people interacting with Web3 and doing 50 transactions a day. That's long term. The proxy today, I would say within Argent is using DeFi. Using DeFi is a use case. I'm not just holding assets hoping that they grow. We think that's, no, of course it's a use case in crypto and it will stay for a year, two years, maybe three years, but long term, a world where you just hold highly speculative assets uh, is probably not, uh, that. If, if that's what blockchain is, uh, we wouldn't have changed the world. So what we care is about the global financial system as a first step and next step is more of a, a global web that is more decentralized. So interaction uh, is what we care. Interaction with DeFi is probably what we, we care the most today because that's the main use case we have. We can, but that's very low frequency. So interacting with DeFi can be I'm putting uh, money in compound and uh, and I don't touch it for six months. Are you supporting staking as well for ERC20s that use it or, or so E2 yeah. will you know, be sometime in 2023? It, it, it's a no-brainer. So when we started, we, know, we, we looked recently at the first slide or, or pitch deck of Arjun, we had this concept of savings account uh, out of E2 staking. Uh, this became uh, let's call it savings or money market account or because of compound and lending, but the, the end goal was, was, always, uh, was always that. So staking is definitely something we want. We think every asset in your wallet should, uh, should earn you something. I mean, to the extreme margin, because it's a smart contract wallet, you could in the future program it so that every incoming asset goes into the best yield uh, protocol for that specific asset, whether it's lending or staking.
Okay. Um, today, how many assets are supported? Any, uh, any, any so ERC20, ERC20, ERC721, and we need to add, uh, I'll get my ERC wrong, is it 1155, mm -hmm. uh, so the other NFT type of assets. So, yeah. uh, how about other synthetic assets uh, like CBTC and, and some of the synthetics that have started to emerge? So most of the synthetics are ERC20, um, you can use them in Argent, you cannot mint them today in Argent, okay. uh, but we are opening Argent soon to interact to any contract call. So the ability to interact with any DAP, and then you could imagine going to that DAP and uh, minting your assets. Uh, TPTC is something we are quite interested uh, in, and uh, overall keep technology uh, for cross-blockchain interaction. We like the idea of Ethereum being uh, our core secure settlement chain where you manage your your wallet, where you manage all your digital life, but that might mean that you also, uh, so you have your identity there, your assets there, but you might interact with another chain. So that's definitely uh, part of the you know, things we are, we are thinking a lot about. When did it get to launch? We, so a year ago, uh, in December 2018, we we finished our audit, smart contract audit, uh, and then early test, we had testnet and mainnet. Then in February, we started onboarding the first user, but literally 10 users at a time. We would, so we had done all the security work, but then we needed to improve the product, the UI, the, the clients, so iOS and Android apps. Uh, on February, we started adding more iOS users, uh, and then gradually when we launched we got a bit more uh, open, added much more people on iOS, and then Android was a few months uh, behind. Since July, we're adding uh, Android users, and we are launching. By the time this will be live, Compound integration will be live on Android. There's a huge demand uh, there, so we will start white testing uh, a lot more people on Android. You don't have to for Do you? No. Okay. Um, I, I thought that uh, I heard you say something at the beginning of the conversation that alluded to that, but I, I was sure that I misheard based on that at the time of rest. Um, what um, what else keeps you up at night? So one one of the things that um, seems obvious at DevCon and some of the other you know, major Ethereum uh, events more recently, um, there's this habit within Ethereum of missing deadlines. I'll put it charitably, uh, and it's because you're trying to build a, a rocket ship and, and you know transition from a proof of work to proof of stake. Uh, ecosystem with all of this other very valuable infrastructure already being built on top. So it's, it's going to be a, uh, a quite an undertaking to actually get it done. But are you concerned at all about either the process or the delays or really anything um, that's going on at the, the ETH one and, and you know, strategic level at the, at the lowest level? Because you're 100% tied to Ethereum right now, um, and and. I think all of the folks that are building infrastructure on top of Ethereum have a vested interest in what's going to happen. It's very unclear exactly how and when this is going to result because there's still a lot of wood to chop. So overall, I think we, we sleep well at night and we tend to focus on building solutions rather than worry about the problems. The uh, of course, it's one, it's two. Well, I mean, that's, 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 an, that's an easy soundbite, and it sounds like a good team player attitude. But um, so, but look, no, no, but I can answer. I can answer. But overall, you know, I don't think there's there's a point just criticizing, yelling, 
and panicking. It's more about fine. If things are not perfect, let's have the discussion and let's solve it. So it's more than a sunbite. The you know we in some way uh, we feel very confident if one is there to stay. Uh, there are a lot of discussion around making it one one of the shard of it two, and that means we're in a very good place. Uh, Vitalik wrote a post, I think, six hours ago around yeah, transitions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he said he would, and he did the next day. So you know, he wrote some a post around East One transition to East Two, and I think anyone working on East One should feel should be quite relieved. Um, so so far as that's very positive. Uh, will East Two uh, be exactly what is being defined today, or will it evolve? I think there's still a lot up in the air for discussion. And I would say, in some way, it's been a few months that we hear this chatter, that we think and discuss comp about compatibility. And I think it's really this week that things started to be a bit louder. In some way, I feel quite positive to see that people like Vitalik and others are aware of that issue. Uh, we have smart people, super committed on the project, they're aware of the issue. Uh, either the issue is not as big as we think, and then we'll be in good shape, or there will be solution for developers to to, to work around them, or the issue is big, and now we have people that are aware of that issue and they will work towards a solution. Uh, is to bring also much more than just charting. So I think overall, uh, I think we'll, we'll benefit of a lot there. No project launched with 100% of the scope perfect. So if out of East 2 half of the plan, half of the feature are successful, and half were good try, didn't work, let's build something else, uh, I'll, be, I'll be very happy. How do you think about handicapping some of the other competitive platforms uh, that are emerging or, or will be released in the next six, 12 months? Um, because they are going to come with their own trade-offs and, and some pieces of new feature sets, uh, you know, new security models, so, so certainly pros and cons. Um, but the, the ones that come to mind immediately are you know, probably Polkadot's uh, for sure. Um, Maybe to a lesser extent, Hashgraph, the Telegram uh, could be a very large lever if it ever gets off the ground. Um, could attract quite a bit of a developer and, and user activity right out of the gate just because they have such massive communities to begin with. Um, so, is, is it just something where, uh, similar to what you're saying about ETH1 to ETH2, is it just, you know, we'll, we'll worry about it once? Once we have to worry about it, right? Uh, or, or, or what? So, how, so, how do you study alternatives right now? So, so there, I'm not sure we should worry. I think a world where there are more than one blockchain uh, is totally okay. Um, and I think Lobin just made a talk about the fact that there will be also need. I think he mentioned permission, but also permission, permissionless and permission blockchain. There is room for more than one, uh, you know, one product there. But I think. I think it would be, I wouldn't want to be competing with Ethereum. Uh, I think you said something that I like to hear, which is about trade-off. It's not that someone comes with some magic rocket ship that does everything we dream of and they cracked, they cracked it and, within, and the ETH, uh, Ethereum team didn't. No, they, they just make different trade-off and we will have to, to think hard about whether these trade-offs were worth making and then Ethereum if someone comes with a better technology, Ethereum could evolve also that way. Uh, we, we, as a company, we don't worry too much. Most of these blockchain are programmatic blockchain. We care about programmatic blockchain. We, we, that's where we see the most value, when you can build logic, smart contracts. So for us, interacting with another programmatic blockchain wouldn't be a big issue. We would want to see use case. But competing with these thousands of people in this room, you're not competing with Ethereum. 
you are competing for you know, the passion, the love of 5,000 or, or maybe no, we talk about 100,000 of developers and ecosystem is what makes everything. If you look at uh, iOS versus Android for years, I mean, it took so long for Android to, to get there because iOS had that amazing community and now both iOS and Android have an insane community of developers. It was simply impossible uh, for Microsoft suddenly to, to compete with that. So that's really the main, uh, main advantage of it there. Where um, in the next year, what was success look like for, for you in particular? Building real use case to non-crypto people. Uh, so now we, How, we, so you, you said that a couple times. So to, to me, um, there, I think there's plenty of crypto people that would start dabbling in DeFi. So you know, what you're working on with Maker and Compound, it's interesting because if it is like one click, you can see that usage uh, increase pretty significantly, potentially, um, from an existing group of uh, crypto speculators. I'm, I'm, I'm less convinced that you're going to have people go straight from having no cryptocurrency uh, exposure to using a non-custodial wallet and then they can play around with some different applications. It almost seems like we're kind of like skipping, skipping over a step where you could enjoy tremendous upside just from the existing holder base that doesn't necessarily want to go through the hassle of opening up their own CDP and, uh, and actually figuring out all the middle steps. Okay. Um, so, so I'll, I'll, you know, maybe that is the, the goal, but I'm curious why it's opening up to, to a new crop of users versus so okay. If you think okay, if you think short term, short term, of course we want to cater to the power users. But okay, I'm thinking success as a company long term rather than short term. I mean, well, like year, metrics. Next so, year, right? so let, let's split the things like in the crypto community, you have people that choose crypto because of the the ethos of decentralization and they really believe and are passionate about the vision. It would not exist without these people, this world would not exist. Uh, and they have a vision of the world where there's this new open, fair, transparent financial system. But serving these people is not enough. They, they are there because they believe in the mission, they are helping us building it. But at the end, we need to deliver on that better financial system. And for me, the, the sign that we are getting there is that someone is joining this, uh, you know, is joining a crypto application not for high speculation of assets, but really because it enables them to do something they couldn't do. So that's why we were making on things like payment in developing markets, which will not happen next year. So that's why it's not short term, but that would be amazing. Uh, in the meantime, a non-crypto user just wanting a, a bit of a better savings account with better interest, I think is a step in that direction. Suddenly, crypto has enabled uh, new innovation in finance and, and uh, I would say normal person, someone who, who just you know, lives a normal life and wants to have a better retirement, suddenly get better yield uh, on their savings. It, it's not an easy one because you have all the risk involved. How do I communicate this risk to that person uh, that doesn't understand crypto? Or, or maybe do I insure that person? Because that would be the worst thing you can do, is giving a crypto product to someone who doesn't understand the risk, then something bad happens, and then they lose their, their pension and their savings. So yeah, that's why, I mean, that's really the hard one to reach. The, of course, the short-term easier one is to, to bring DeFi to more crypto users, uh, but I would say that it's already something that's happening now for us. The next big uh, milestone is 
no, to, to really prove we can go out of the crypto crypto bubble. Uh, it's worth. Thank you for joining. Uh, where can people find you, the company, uh, and how can they uh, start tinkering around with the wallet? Aside yeah. from just waiting for forever. <laughs> you're going you're to have to let our viewers and listeners yes. in, so, in with special access. So, so we can do that. Um, what we will do, so a few things. First, we're on Twitter, uh, Argent HQ. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Itamar L, I-T-A-M-A-R-L. Uh, what I will do is we'll give you a link so that every viewers can bypass the waitlist. And that's, I think, will be the, the best way. Uh, we just want feedback. We want people to use the product and help us build the product for uh, the next billion people. And no, we, we are getting there. We're not yet there. So thank, thanks for having me. Fantastic. Well, thank you again. Uh, this has uh, been a fun week here in DevCon. I was able to move my flight, so I'm not going to get crushed by the typhoon tomorrow, uh, or Saturday, rather, we'll leave a day early. But um, until next time, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we'll be back again with another one real soon. Until then, peace. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. New episodes of Unqualified Opinions go live weekdays at noon Eastern Time. You can follow me in the meantime on Twitter at 2BitIdiot if you want to continue the conversation or troll me. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.